0: Emmanuel has set us up with a kind of background, a context um, for the discussions for this afternoon. Um, and I was, I've been uh, in the place in the last couple of years of apologising for not being an engineer, um, but what I'm celebrating is the fact that I'm an educationalist. Um, and uh, what, um, what, how I came to be involved in um, uh, the um, UCL engineering faculty was the sort of the kind of... Marriage or the alliance of the Institute of Education with UCL. Um, so we merged um, two years ago, three years ago, well. yeah. Um, and in that merger um, came the came the kind of fruition of a centre, um, a Centre for Engineering Education, um, which brought together some of us who were interested in um, vocational pedagogies um, um, uh, from the Institute of Education. And from engineering, um, those who are interested in engineering education. So this Centre for Engineering Education, the Centre, is a virtual centre. It doesn't have a physical space, um, but it's a virtual centre um, that hosts a number of events and discussions, uh, conversations and so on. So if you haven't come across it yet, um, ha- have a look um, at, at what it offers. Um, that's its so logo, and, and you'll find it on the UCL website. Um, so... In that um, uh, involvement, um, I became really interested in the ways in which um, uh, engineering, uh, the Faculty of Engineering, was uh, was operationalising this integrated engineering program. And I spent um, half of my time um, in the first year simply becoming familiar with the um, physical spaces. Um, and the students um, and the environment um, that um, Emmanuel has given us a a, a little insight into. And as an educationist, I come from a teacher education background. I've worked in further education and higher education in teacher education, um, helping the development of teachers who've largely come from um, uh, vocational environments. Mm -hmm. Uh, So whether they be uh, bricklayers or IT specialists or engineers um, or hairdressers um, who've moved into teaching and further education um, and often come through programmes that Janet and I have taught on, whether on a full-time or a part-time basis. That's the work that I've historically done. Um, So going into classrooms Mm. and learning environments is not unusual for me. Um, so the first thing I wanted to do was say well okay I want to go in and see what these places look like Uh, let's have a look at what they look like um, and see what it feels like to be in one of those classrooms and I think that's the first thing that struck me was the scale the scale of the operation in the um, in the Faculty of Engineering so you're walking into classes where there are 80 100 students 200 students in one cohort um, all working on these projects um, at the same time um, and it's that kind of thing um, that uh, sometimes I think my colleagues in UCL engineering perhaps lose sight on, of that as to how unusual that is in terms of scale um, and the organisation that's going on so after a year of doing that and developing some work with some employees in engineering um, uh, together we put in a, 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 a funding bid to the IOE who was offering uh, some seed corn funding for any teaching and learning projects. And this is a teaching and learning project. So we wanted to learn about um, what was going on um, within this um, uh, engineering faculty. Um, And we developed a project, as you see here, it's Fitness for Purpose, developing the pedagogy of project-based learning. So through discussions, we all had the same shared interest in actually trying to develop our understanding of, of the ways in which engineering students learn in this particular context. Um, whilst there had been, um, and there still is, but there had been some overall evaluation of the student experience on a very kind of quantitative basis, um, all of us were interested in what does that actually mean on the ground. Um, and we put together this proposal, which um, uh, uh luckily managed to get some funding for. It's actually a relatively small-scale funding project. Um, we seem to have generated a lot of data, but it's a relatively small-scale and it lasts just for a year um, to develop the understanding um, of the ways in which students learn and also consider the implications for the workplace that Janet and I are in, in, in the Institute of Education. So, if we understand how project-based learning works in engineering, what lessons might there be for an institute of education which is primarily concerned with training teachers? Um, and as far as Janet and I are concerned, primarily concerned with teaching teachers in the post-16 age group. Um, and, and other undergraduates' programmes, IOE, relatively small education studies and so on, but largely um, for those sorts of things. So That's the project, you've been introduced to the team, um, and this is our aim. So we started in October. Um, And that's the first kind of um, uh, warning. We started in October, Um, we've generated data right up until two weeks ago. (laughs) Um, So we are very much in the process of doing this research. Um, And so the kind of things I'm going to present today, and and Janet too, um, are... Necessarily, kind of tailored to what we can, um, what we've been able to kind of analyse so far. Um, to start off with, then, um, what um, are our understandings of project-based learning? And of course, uh, I think most of you um, will recognise there are lots of um, uh, there are lots of connections with other so-called um, in- inquiry-led innovations, like problem-based learning. And within the literature that Andrea, our research assistant, has has begun to um, uh, do a a summary of the research literature, Um, there is a lot of um, uh, uh, double use of terms. Inconsistency of terms: PBL, PjBL. Does P, when does PBL just mean problem-based learning? When does it mean project-based learning? And so on. I mean, that's one of the things we will come to terms with and and, and come up with our own <coughs> understanding of project-based learning. But you know, there's that kind of slippage in the literature um, around what do we mean by project-based learning. So. For a starting point, we've um, uh, uh, accepted some of the principles identified by Thomas and Australia um, around what project-based learning means. Not just doing a project, but learning through projects. Project-based learning. Um, The first one, for example, they're central, not periphery to the curriculum. They are not tag-on. They're not at the side. They're not optional extras. An integral part of the curriculum. Um, this issue about focus on questions and problems that drive students to encounter and struggle with. It's the point. <laughs> Learning is a struggle. Struggle with um, the central concepts and principles of a discipline. So it is about engagement with difficulty and so on. Um, constructive investigation um, and the degree of student autonomy. Um, and so on. I think Emmanuel has mentioned that throughout the two, certainly the first two years of programme, which I've mainly fo- focused on, um, the degree of student autonomy um, has varies. It not only varies between years, but also between disciplines according to the nature of the project. Um, but these are essential elements in project based learning, um, and the authenticity aspect here. Um, Uh, uh, maximising the authenticity to work-related contexts. So those are some of our um, initial principles in our definition of project-based learning. But also what's important to us um, um, is recognising the importance of projects in the world of engineering. Um, So it has another resonance for for engineering in the nature of the organisation of work and that's really important in terms of the interests that, um, that we have regarding work-related learning. How is it that, that we maintain a connection between the changing nature of work and the ways in which we enable students to become A, work-ready and B, employable, which are two different things. But those are the issues that are important. The notion of a project... Um, is seen as a, as a unit of work as experienced by um, the, in, in the workplace, not only for engineering, but other areas as well. Um, the interdisciplinarity um, is important in terms of the nature of work and the collaboration um, between professionals within the workplace is a central aspect. So project-based learning in this um, uh, project, um, is, is really quite important for us to kind of see the connection between the nature of work and the learning within project-based learning. Um, Manuel has talked about some of this, so I just want to kind of recap in terms of the kind of projects that we're talking about, the project-based learning instances within the IEP the single discipline scenarios that Emmanuel has mentioned, one week entirely, um, uh, you know, entirely the experience of the students in one week. Again, the amount of work that generally students, they do in a week is actually quite phenomenal, I would say. I can't quantify it, I'm not going to quantify it, but I'll talk about it qualitatively, all right? So that are interdisciplinary challenges as well over five weeks we're not talking about those today partly because um some of our we haven't analyzed all the data at all and also a little advert for the um the um uh, international symposium of engineering education which takes place is that right international yeah. <laughs> which takes place um actually at ucl happens to be hosted there in july so um we'll be presenting some some data there from and the interdisciplinary aspect of it there. Um, uh, Emanuela mentioned the recent research project um, by, by uh, Ruth Graham, which is, um, was commissioned by MIT. Um, really recommend having a look at that. So I've got the link there. Um, this literally a few weeks ago was produced, and it was MIT who were, who were asking her to do a kind of an account of emerging curricula um, in engineering. And UCL is one of one of six, I think, um, uh, case studies. So you'll get a nice summary of kind of the, the overview of, of, of UCL there as well as others. Um, so that's where the um, project-based learning takes place within the I, IEP. And um, we'll now move on to what is it we've been doing with this very small amount of money but lots of energy on the part of our participants. So the desire was to find out what this learning experience was like. And this is where the sort of the educational um, uh, 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 philosophy, if you like, came forward in terms of understanding the student experience um, through collaborative, multidisciplinary Practitioner research. It was a real commitment. We are from different disciplines, so we kind of embody this kind of approach. We are all involved in teaching in higher education and in researching our practice. Um, so this was a, a very much a commitment to the kind of the project. We wanted to under, to collect um, qualitative data through observations and interviews mm-hmm. with the undergraduates in situ not an easy task but definitely what we wanted to do in a sense that um, drawing upon kind of an ethnographic observational approach we wanted to be there see and hear what was going on um, that's quite a challenge when there are 80 people in the room but I'll talk you through that in a minute but that was the kind of the methodological principles that um, uh, we wanted to um, uh, embrace and certainly the kind of approach that Janet and I had taken in our respective research um, with vocational teachers. We adopted adopted an unobtrusive observer role, I'll talk you through that in a minute, um, which encouraged to start off with a descriptive narrative of the the settings. Again, I'm not going to draw on descriptive narratives today, um, but what they proved to be um, is a really interesting um, account of what it. Looks like when you walk into one of these classes, Um, ethics don't allow us to take video um, of students in uh, in in action. Or it's more complicated. Um, So basically, we've taken photos without heads, but hands usually um, equipment, um, uh, but rather than filming. Um, Who? Who gathered the data? Well, the observers were ourselves, project team members, and postgraduate teaching assistants. We wanted to use the expertise of the PGTAs that Emanuela has spoken about um, to um, become the eyes and ears and the interviewees of undergraduate students. Right, so a call was put out to anybody interested in pedagogy, learning more about it. Da de, da de, da da, um, and we ended up with uh, six, I think, wasn't it? Six PGTAs, um, which was what we wanted. We wanted between six and eight, and conducted a sort of training event with them into this kind of methodological approach, which was a really interesting exercise in itself, um, because they were engineers from different backgrounds, um, different engineering backgrounds, and, you know, the thought of not actually doing an experiment, sorry, not doing an experiment with a white coat was actually quite difficult for them. So... Um, and it's, we've learnt ever such a lot from them around the kind of the difficulties of engaging in unobtrusive um, um, observation roles and interview with students. So that's another angle of our work, and PGC students. And I'll let Janet talk about um, uh, their involvement in the project. Um, so what we've done. This is just a s- summary of the scenarios that we are um, observed and interviews the students with uh, the students undertaking. Um, covered four from year two um, and three from year one. So I've covered I think all of the areas um, and also one interdisciplinary challenge. This is the second one that um, Emanuela mentioned takes place in year one um, um, and I won't go into detail, but there's a large challenge across all the departments, um, and then all the departments are then paired. So, electronic engineers were paired with um, computer science students. right? And there's a kind of an overall very big brief, and a kind of sub-brief for the different paired scenarios, if that makes sense. Um, and then they are uh, timetabled for four hours, I think, a week. Um, over the course of five weeks, right? So they are doing their other courses alongside. That's the difference. So it's kind of more longitudinal. So you get more of a sense of what they feel like at the very beginning or the five weeks um, towards the end. Okay. So that's um, the, the, that, those are the um, uh, the observations we've conducted and in interviews, and also we um, conducted separate focus groups. Um, we talked to the first years, um, I think addressing some of the issues that were raised earlier about transitions. Um, we talked to a group of, I think, 18 first years. Um, uh, again, just a public announcement, who'd like to come along. You know, I think there was a £10 Amazon voucher. You know, I think Emanuela had something like 120 people who said, yes, please. So we just whittled it down to about 20 of students. and conducted a focus group with them in terms of, OK, so how's it going so far? you know, which is the f- capturing, some, if you like, baseline data, just their experiences, you know, was it what they expected, da 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 that kind of thing. Again, I not them to talk about that particularly today. Um, we conducted a PGTA focus group after they had done all the observations and interviews around what was it like doing this, um, what have they learnt um, for themselves and about the nature of um, pedagogy and project-based learning. And again, some really interesting ideas come out from that. And then a PGC focus group, and Janet's going to talk about that one. Um, so that's, that's what we did, um, and some initial findings. Okay, so in terms of saying that's what we did, um, maybe I need to explain a little bit more. When we have the one week scenarios, and I'm going to talk th- today just about two of them, I'm going to talk about biomedical and biochemical and both second year, um, both second year um, scenarios. Okay, so we'll talk about those two. The reason I've chosen those two today are, sim- are because both second years and both um, have relatively small cohorts. Yeah? So in the year group um, they are less than 50 in the year group, so small for UCL standards. Um, and uh, yeah, so and also in terms of the projects they're doing, they're quite contrasting projects. Emmanuela mentioned earlier about the idea, the point that not all of the projects are about producing stuff, things, artifacts, right? The biomedical project, well, I'll tell you a little bit about in in, in a moment, was about producing an artifact, from design at the beginning on Monday to production on Friday, right? So that was, if you, uh, in a sense, one of those projects which was about producing something which is then um, presented to others. The biochemical one is, is uh, much more about modelling and dealing with data. So they kind of contrast in terms of the nature of the project. Certainly within the literature we've looked at already, often the assumption, um, or the, perhaps the criticism of project-based learning, in terms of its transferability to um, areas, other disciplines, is often that, it, it, oh, well, it's, it works okay when you're producing something, you're making something, but when you're talking about concept, there's not much learning going on you know? How can you do a project around concepts? Um, and so... Um, this kind of this example shows the different ways in which the projects operationalise and the learning um, that comes out of it. Um, so those are the, the two projects. The biochemical project um, was, I'm going to read this, was a techno-economic evaluation of a bioprocess. Um, <laughs> so I, I have to read that, I can't learn that. Um, and the teams formulate a bio Ethanol production strategy, got it. Um, for the UK, capable of sustaining five percent road transport fuel demand. There we go. And each team—this is a bit—I did understand. Each team was given a, a biofuel, so you know, food waste, um, coffee beans, uh, seaweed, whatever. So I think there was about seven teams. Um, yeah, seven, six, yeah, oh, seven teams of about five or six, right? That was the task. Um, so that was much more, that was about modelling. And they are giving, giving a lot of data and so on. And one of the interesting aspects that, uh, in terms of the brief that they're given, given um, is about coping with uncertainty. One of the learning outcomes almost is coping with uncertainty. What if, um, for example, you... Um, uh, you there, You haven't been given the data in which you feel confident you can make the predictions. And this project was largely about coping with that uncertainty. Engineers, uh, with the assumption that engineers need to be able to forecast, often when they haven't got all the data that they really want. So, you know, it's it's that kind of project, in in a way. The biomedical project um, was designing an item of smart clothing. Um, to monitor sportspersons' well-being as they're engaging in in an activity. And that they could choose whatever sport they wanted. And again, from Monday to Friday, designing it, testing it, sewing it, which is an interesting skill, Um, sewing it um, and demonstrating it, all in one week. Right? Um, So that's to give you a sense of what the projects were about. Okay? Okay, so... In terms of findings for today, I've just grouped them around some of the um, challenges that um, industry um, and um, HE, yeah, in- industry have um, uh, required, if you like, HE to come up with. You know, what is it that engineering educators need to be able to be doing? And Manuela's used these um, uh, in-, in her original <coughs> slides. Um, Non-technical aspects of engineering, okay, what are you doing about that in HE? Um, How are we able to help students to turn their theoretical work into real solutions, starting with the minimum, which has been mentioned, and not just problem solvers. So I've just used those for today as a way of kind of organising some of the data that we've come up with. Um, Okay, so non-technical aspects. I think this is the, the part that's probably kind of what we'd expect they're in the second year they've done a whole year of various projects and teams and so on so if they haven't got the team working aspect by now then you know it's not kind of working uh, in, in a sense so when we um, uh, go into these uh, groups in action often we'll go in on the first day one or two of us perhaps We've tried to model practice. So one of the project team, along with one or two mm. um, PGTAs, would be attached to that uh, scenario. Gone into to a, a class, into to set-up, um, and the uh, academic lead would have introduced us ethics on Moodle, participation sheets, so they know what it's about. Um, they don't really, mm. but in theory, they should know what it's about and they can look to what it's about. Um, and then we basically sit in with a group that looks approachable um, where there's a spare seat um, and, and they're very good at saying no I don't want to talk to you which is absolutely fine um, and as the project comes towards the end it gets harder to talk to them because they're actually at their deliverables and you know that makes it hard but nevertheless over, overall I think we were all incredibly surprised um, and pleasantly surprised by the kind of welcoming nature of the students and their willingness to talk to us, which is always, you know, something you're never going to anticipate, particularly for those of us who aren't engineers. um, The PGTAs who were involved in this research were never in a class that they were ever in the position of um, uh, uh, working with. So they might be in touch to second year mechanical engineering, and they'd be looking at first years. So you wouldn't ever have that kind of conflict of, of interest. We're not going to be assessing them or whatever. whatever. Um, communication. So we go in, we talk to them. Some of the questions we say, well, you know, how's it going for you? It's open opens that. Um, you know what, what? do you think you are learning? You know that kind of thing. And where this question came out, um, this is from a biomed student talked about communication, but I thought talked about it in a particularly interesting way. You know, yeah, we need to talk to each other, but why do we talk to each other? Because we need to know whether the person in the team knows what they're supposed to be doing, because they're going to present something on Friday, and if they don't understand it, we're all going to be marked down or something. So, you know, there was a kind of reality to why communication was important. Um, another aspect of it isn't just about communications. This was This came up a couple of times. Biomedical students were given a budget of £40 because they have to buy a garment or a shoe or a sock and actually create something that goes into those things that can monitor output. Um, So they're given £40 and so on. So... This student talked about, you know, um, we looked at what we were given, um, we worked with the resources, and there were some others within other areas. I remember the mechanical engineers, you saw the example that um, Emanuela um, showed you earlier that was on the mechanical engineering challenge. They had to buy their bits and bobs, I'm going to call them, that went into this uh, object that had to go up and down. They had to buy them, had to source them, had to... Uh, buy them offline, download them, this, that and the other. So they're giving a budget. Um, So they learnt to work within those kind of things. Um, um, uh, Teamworking. They talked about, yeah, we need to work with each other. Remember, these are second years. They've done uh, quite a few of these now. Um, Sometimes they're a little bit cynical about it. When you say, well, how have you learnt about yourself in terms of everything of the team? And they're a bit, oh, yeah, 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 we know, we have to work with each other, da da So they're almost kind of like, yeah, OK, we get it. We get it, we have to work with each other, and so on. Um, but what came out in this, and that's why I've used this one, because it's actually a bit different to the others, um, from the biochem students, was, was actually talking about working with each other where they were discipline-specific or where they were in interdisciplinary teams. And in this discussion, the student voice, some of the things that I'd heard in previous discussions with, with, these, with students um, about the nature of disciplines. And uh, generally the view was um, um, that when we work with people within our own disciplines, we get on better. And it's not just because we know each other, but we, in quotes, speak the same language. So that was quite interesting in terms of um, how, how they describe it, and this came up, up when I'd previously looked at um, the, the large project, How to Change the World, where they're saying yeah, you know, we don't necessarily know how to talk to each other in the interdisciplinary teams. We're using a different discourse, which is quite interesting. And how some of the other, this is some, another group, talked about it. Um, they didn't like the interdisciplinary challenges from last the last year. Well, why don't you like it? Well, because well, you, you know, you've never spoken before, and they have a really different personality. <laughs> but <you> know, <laughs> they put it down to personality, which is quite interesting. Um, I mean, this is sort of slightly edited, but, but it's just in terms of, you know, what they meant by that was that, uh, you know, that they actually, you know, came from a different place, spoke a different language, had different uh, aims and ambitions. So, you know, I think it's quite interesting in terms of they talked about personalities. But that began, and it's, it's, it's something that comes up quite, quite a bit, um, students' understanding of, of the need to shift in their discourse when they're working in disciplinary within disciplines they've got the sort of in quotes the comfort of the discipline the disciplinary language the disciplinary experiences the recognition that actually they've covered the same stuff they've been in the group whereas when they're mixed with another group they have no knowledge of what they know they don't know what they know so that you know that's you know an interesting aspect that that we're, we're exploring in terms of the difference in disciplines so, in terms of that first category, um, you know, those small uh, those quotations give a, a small illustration of the kind of the reflective nature of um, uh, students talking about what they're learning in a non-disciplinary way. Um, this is the question about turning what they know, theoretical knowledge if you like, into real solutions. Um, and this quote. Again, just chosen because it summarised the the tenor of conversation. Um, I guess in lectures you kind of absorb it when you apply it. Uh, You have to think of the assumptions, most valuable input, blah, 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 that kind of thing. Recognising it's a different way of learning. It's different. They have to be different. They have to inhabit a different place in project-based learning as opposed to sitting in a lecture. Um, and actually, the recognition of the student is that it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. I've got to really think about this. You know, there's nobody that's going to tell me the answer. I've got to work it out for myself. You know, sounds basic, but actually, when you hear the student struggle it through, it's quite, it's quite interesting. Um, uh, this student is on the biochem um, mm. uh, scenario, and. Um, you know, they're saying, well, it's still theoretical, you know, we're not doing this in real life. No, they're not coming up with a uh, techno-economic evaluation of a bioprocess for the 5% of the road transport. They're not actually doing that, but it's a scenario which gets them to think in that way. Um, um, so those are quite uh, that's a quite an interesting point. And also with the biomed students, again, just again, lifting this one out in terms of reflecting on the inspiration they had for their piece of work um, this group of students for their biomedical smart clothing they decided to design a um, a system which enabled wheelchair athletes to recognise when the stressors were too great on their shoulders which is apparently one of the, the greatest um, injury uh, effects of wheelchair athletes Um So, you are just talking about, yeah, we were inspired by what we'd learned on something else. So bringing it into the decision to develop a particular um, product um, in this scenario. Um, Additional to that um, was a conversation with uh, these this is a group that I was involved in or I was talking to them and I talked to them in the first day and the third day and so on. So you kind of get a sense of, um, you know, building up some sort of relationship with them. Um, And just the kind of talking about what was required. This was the the modelling, uh, where they had to model um, this bioprocess scenario. And um, the idea that this particular student in a group they'd recognize actually getting the calculations right wasn't necessarily the point and that was quite interesting i thought because i think bearing in mind something that came up earlier that these students are very often concerned with getting the right answers knowing which occasion equation to use and doing it very well right here they're in a situation where they don't necessarily have to get the right answer because there isn't one. But what they have to do is show that they're thinking differently. How we express our information, um, actually recognising that you know, if they understand the calculations and how they use, that's probably more, that's more important in this context. So they can kind of play with that and transfer it to different contexts and um, uh, uh, and so on. And and that seemed quite I thought, quite sophisticated. Um um uh, uh understanding really. Um also what's important for them was this was in the Biomed where there was a huge amount of enthusiasm for what they were doing as Janet and I were, were both observing this class. Um, you know, perhaps because, you know, there was an item that had to be produced between Monday and Friday and a lot, you know, socks being produced with sensors in them and, you know, um uh sensors for people who were on tight ropes so they could tell whether they weren't straight and things like this. They were all physical things and excitement about this. It's very difficult to kind of project that when describing it, describing it. But um, yeah, it was clearly there. Um, so you know that notion of what's important was that they felt it was valuable, it was making a contribution, it was social, um, um, and they were drawing on what they'd learnt and putting it to practice in, in a, a, a slightly different way. This issue of being able to start with a minimum. It's really hard. You know, it's all really hard. Um, and I think Emmanuel mentioned this earlier. They don't like it, really, to begin with. But that's the challenge. You know, we haven't got everything with in front of us. So how do we know what to do? you know? And, and by the second year... Um, still saying this kind of thing, Um, you know, I wish they'd given us a bit more, (laughs) you know, that sense of, oh, you know, just give us some more information and we'll be able to do it, but actually realising that, um, you know, they they know they need to work it through, this is on the first day of the Biomed, from one particular group. Um, um, So how's it gone since, this is Wednesday, Um, you know, it's actually feeling a lot better, um, did a lot more stuff than I thought I was going to do, in other words I've worked hard um, you know and so on and so forth and there was a sort of you know, a general group sense of we've moved so much in three days and, and bearing in mind the second day of this scenario they go out and visit a brewery so like eight <laughs> yeah, yeah <that's laughs> I didn't think about that but yeah 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 it had a great effect do yeah. <laughs> didn't think about that but actually you know so you've got Five days, the last day is actually, you know, presenting, producing the poster, thinking everybody look at it and so on and so forth. The second day, most of it is out, viewing a, uh, a, a, a in this case, brewery. Previous years have been an ice cream factory. We still have things like this in London, um, and, and so on. So you've actually got, think of the time, three days really, to do this. Um, uh, so they're saying by Wednesday they feel they achieve quite a lot. Um, so yes, it's tough, it's hard, but recognising that that's that that's uh, an important issue. Problem solving and um, um, solution finding. Again, another example from drawing from the biomeds. Um, it was interesting to get the students, the students would often talk to us about, you know, we'd say, what are you doing? Tell us what you're doing. You know, Remember, I'm not an engineer. Be nice and simple. And they would actually really describe what they're doing. And that is so interesting when they're talking about what they're doing and why they did things. And that, I think, was an unexpected aspect of the, the research, getting them to talk about how they problem solved. Because I think one can learn a lot about where they're going um, in terms of their learning. Um, and this was an interesting, well, we did this first because we thought it was going to be the most difficult and so on and so forth. Um, and then we used the testing, testing, testing. So using the kind of the procedures of the uh, of the discipline. And also talking about why they changed, providing a kind of, well, we got this far, then realised, hmm, we need to do something else. And actually hearing students talk about that is really important in terms of understanding where they are, and also enabling the, um, the academics and those who are involved in that scenario to make changes to the, um, to the scenarios, which, again, I began to appreciate as I talked to um, some of the academics. So we did it this way this year because last year we learnt that actually they needed a bit more support in week three. And as Emmanuel said, four week, three, three years on now... Um, and, you know, looking back on what went the first year well, we need a bit more support here, we need to do a, a guest lecture on blah, 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 or something, you know, input on the use of a computer or whatever. So just the kind of having the narrative of a student talking about their their, their learning, which is actually quite rare in HE research, talk, students talking about their learning and how, how they're getting um, past it. So in, in terms of an initial analysis, I've talked on some of the things as we've gone um, I mean, that to non-engineers, that is often the kind of picture of what we, we think of in terms of engineering. Um, and I know now that that's not right, but, but it is what we see. And this indeed is, you know, electronics classroom. Um, and this actually is um, from the interdisciplinary challenge where they develop, I have what it is now, but developing this thing over here. I've forgotten what, <laughs> <laughs> forgot what it is. What is it? A It's a yeah. that's it. Oh, um, uh, so, and, so you get all this equipment and stuff around. Mm. yeah. And in, in the research area um, around learning in um, HE, Monica Leeland, she looked at computer scientists. And you know, she was saying that in terms of, OK, so what's framing the learning? And you know, the ubiquitous presence of technology... You can't put that aside, she argues. And from our research, we say, well, yeah, that's true for a lot of what we've seen in the scenario, but it doesn't determine the learning. Yes, it is a context, a contextual factor, but in itself, um, you know, it's not necessarily the main framer of the learning, but it enables us to recognise the importance of environment, however broad we want to take that, um, uh, and so on. Um, these are the kinds of um, I- areas that we've I- identified in terms of the, the nature of the project work. Admittedly, you know, I've only talked drawn on two examples. What it demands is communication, time management, I'm, you know, you know, I'm sure you know all this, uh, division of labour, blah, 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 with disciplinary peers. It's only going to work with when students are at the point where they recognise the importance of those things. And I think our data has shown um, generally um, that students get that at different times and they get it more easily when they're working in disciplinary scenarios. The interdisciplinary is more a challenge, but it requires that kind of thing. The other thing that as a team, those of us outside engineering have learned is in terms of the variety of these projects. Even though they're the same length of time, the kinds of forms they take are phenomenal. Um, uh, They're varied and they reflect the disciplines as well. Um, So the kind of tasks that students are given will vary in that sense. Um, They're applying, yes, but developing the technical knowledge and understanding singularly and collaboratively. So it isn't just a question of, I've learnt this in week three. I'm now applying it to this project. It's, it, you know, it, it isn't like that. It's a, actually, I'm understanding for the first time what this concept means, and also developing their understanding, their technical knowledge, um, as they go. So, you know, it's a, a kind of a more iterative, iterative process in terms of technical skills and knowledge and understanding. Um, I think it's almost when we're talking about non-technical skills, and yeah, yeah, of course, that's where they're learning and developing these things. But actually, in other uh, scenarios, students talking about how they've understood mm. for the very first time um, some of the software tools that they were introduced to because they've had to use them in a very different and innovative way. Learning is mediated. so So, I mean, in some... Um, context, in some projects, um, uh, mediated by PGTAs, academics, um, in a quite structured way, and in others, in a less structured way. So, And that often reflects the autonomy um, uh, of of the students, how much autonomy the student groups have. So, I mean, I haven't talked about the data today, but with the mechanical engineering students, for example, um, you know, actually quite a lot of open remit um, and in their very first year of introducing this and by the third year recognising that they needed to do more kind of interventions at certain times and the groups also got larger as well. Um, and particularly for the discipline scenarios, the students are you learning to operationalise not only technical knowledge but the disciplinary processes. What it means to be a computer scientist or a civil engineer and the disciplinary ways and being of, 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 of a, um, you know, a mechanical engineer is different from a civil engineer or and so on. So they learn those kind of processes in doing. So it's, it's almost like three aspects of learning if not more one, about the technical knowledge. Second, about the, um, the non-technical knowledge, the kind of so-called soft skills. I don't think they're soft, but that's what they're generally called. Um, and thirdly, about the kind of the processes involved in being, becoming a civil engineer, becoming a chemical engineer. So I'm going to leave it there um, with a little insight. Thank you. Thank you.